Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Breaking Silence Part 2, examining five women's claims against Tim Ballard. Once again, I'm continuing with this series of podcasts, reviewing and examining the statements of the five, actually four, as I explained in the prior podcast, women who left statements or whose statements were appended to the first lawsuit against Tim Ballard filed a couple of weeks ago. Last night, I went over the first of those statements, the one by W.W. It was somewhat lengthy. It took me 50 minutes. I've looked ahead at the next statements, and I think that tonight I will be able to read two statements. The first statement I will read will be from, let me put this up here on the screen so I can see it, or actually I can look at it over here, I suppose. It will be Exhibit C. Once again, WW statement got duplicated and put in twice. But Exhibit C is now the statement by DM. And we encountered DM at the end of WW statement, as you may recall from last night. All right. Let me put this here up on the screen and we'll go through it. I will confess to you that this has been somewhat wearing on me reading through these statements. I think it's important that they be examined, they be brought to the light of public day. They are public information having been filed with these lawsuits. And yet I want to give them a broader exposure because I think it's that important. And a number of people are following along with this podcast and the different statements I'm reviewing. So it appears that I'm not the only one who thinks that this is important to do. All right, let's go ahead and get right to it, shall we? Um, I'll add this to the screen. There we go. Exhibit C, the statement by D.M. In October of 2021, oh, by the way, I wanted to mention that on the last episode, I had thought that I had made a mistake by reading 2021, or excuse me, by reading 2023, when the statement said 2021. I actually went back and reviewed that statement afterward, and I found out that really this mistake was not mine. They had put 2023 in the initial dating, and that was apparently the error. It seems that that should have been 2021 because they're going chronologically. And after that first 2023 date, they then go back to 2021 throughout. Later on, I saw that it was 2021, and I thought that I had made the mistake of misreading it as 2023. But it appears that at least in this case, the error was not mine although I make plenty of errors to be sure. But this one, no, this one was actually incorrectly put into the statement. So let's see how this one goes. In October of 2021, once again, the statement by DM, I went to lunch with my friend who was involved with OUR. In the midst of her conversation, I had brought up that I was interested in saving women and children who were victims of violence or sex trafficking, who wouldn't be interested in saving people like this. At this time, I did not know that she was involved with OUR. She told me she may, have she may have an opportunity for me to get involved with the organization. We chatted a little bit more, and she told me that she would reach out to her contact in the organization. At this point, I did not know who this person was or anything about the organization. A couple weeks went by, and I was contacted by Coop, a.k.a. Matthew Cooper. He is a male operator at OUR who works very closely with Tim. Yes, we've encountered Cooper before, or Coop. 
He had told me that they were doing some training, but that they would not be starting a new training course for a while. He asked if I would be interested in being, excuse me, I just scrolled it up, in being an, an actress for the other operators to practice scenarios with. I told him that I would rather be more directly involved and actually be the one to go out and save women and children. So she's volunteering. That was about all our phone call consisted of. He told me he would be in contact with me at some point in the future. A couple of weeks went by and he reached out again. He asked me if I would be willing to come up to the OUR gym and do a training session. I told him, yes, absolutely. On October 28, 2021, almost exactly three years ago, I'm recording this on October 24th of 2023, or I should say two years ago. Once again, math, not my strong suit. On October 28, 2021, I went up to the OUR gym located at 13648 South 200 West Draper, Utah, 84020. When I got to the gym, Coop, a.k.a. Matthew Cooper, was waiting for me inside. There were a few other women there as well, and a girl named blank. It's redacted. We did some basic training exercises involving self-defense and then covered some awareness tactics. After a certain point, Tim, Tim Ballard, arrived at the gym, and I spoke with him one-on-one -on -one in a back room. When we spoke, he told me briefly about what the organization did and how I could potentially become involved. I expressed to him very clearly my interest in becoming an operator. He told me that it was a hard job and I would have to be willing to do a lot of really potentially dangerous things. That I would see a lot of dark things as well as be in some very seedy and gross places. He touched briefly on the couple's ruse as well and asked if that was something I would be able to do. I told him that I was an actress and that I thought I could be quite good at being an operator. So not only is this individual, I'm going to look once again, DM, I'll try and remember that. Not only is DM an actress, so was WW, as you recall. I told him that I was an actress, <clears throat> excuse me, and that I thought I could be quite good at being an operator. <clears throat> I then went back out after speaking with him for a bit longer. I continued doing some training with Coop and the other two girls that were at the gym. Tim's son, Blaine, was also there doing some training with us. I don't know if this is the son who, after recently returning from his mission, was taken by Tim, allegedly, to a strip club in Salt Lake City. Tim's son, Blaine, was also there doing some training with us. After the self-defense tactics, Tim said that he thought we should continue training in a different way later that evening that we would now take it up a level i'll bet they wanted to essentially test how well we would respond to certain uncomfortable or intense situations he told us about using an app called signal we encountered this before with ww this app which i had not heard of before to communicate and how we had to be very careful with text messages and that we could not talk to anyone about this stuff ever. I signed an NDA right off the bat. NDA, we're not going to talk about this to anybody. It's very dangerous. We've got to save the kids. And now it's time for special one-on-one -on -one training with you. I signed an NDA as asked and left it there at the gym. I never received any type of copy of this. We were told to meet later that night back at the gym. I believe it was around 10.30 p.m. that I arrived there. Coop, another person whose name is redacted, Tim and I were all supposed to go out as first team. 
First team meant that we would be the ones to go inside the strip clubs and try to gather information from people as a part of our training. There were two other men that I recall being there that night. So Coop and apparently another person whose name has been redacted. They were on second. No, there were two other men that I recall being there that night. They were on second team that night. So maybe not those two. Second team's job was to maintain communications and follow us around discreetly in a vehicle of their own. One of them was Tim's son, Blaine. The other was an older gentleman. I do not remember his name. Tim and Blank were partners that night and met up at her apartment. So apparently the redacted name is a female. Tim and redacted Blank were partners that night and met up at her apartment. That's why it's her apartment. They were supposed to take an Uber to meet us at the OUR gym after getting in character together. They missed their first Uber and we were waiting around for a while. I think we ended up having to just meet them at the first strip club. When at the clubs on our training, on our training op, we were supposed to pretend like we did not know them. Second team was supposed to just follow us around and keep in contact via messages on the Signal app. We all had to constantly remain in character, even while interacting on the app. Tim and Blank were partners for the couple's ruse training that night. And Coop, Blank, and I were a thruple for the couple's ruse. While heading, while waiting to head out and start our training, at one point, Tim's son came over to talk with us. He made a comment about how his dad had given him something to take. Presumably some type of pill, but I'm unsure of what. <clears throat> so I guess he didn't show it to them. He then said, oh, he'd already taken it. He made a comment about how his dad had given him something to take, presumably some type of pill, but I'm unsure of what. He then said he felt high and was kind of laughing about it like it was no big deal. It really concerned me, though. I didn't like that we were supposed to be pretending this was a real-life scenario and that he would be out of it. If it was a real-life situation or a real situation potentially out of the country where lives depended on it, then I would be so anxious and scared. I would never be able to trust someone not in their right state of mind. Not to mention it disturbed me and was inappropriate that his dad had given it to him. At some point, I don't remember exactly when, Tim told me that he would sometimes take something in order to deal with his stress and to help him get into character as well as loosen up. I drove with Coop to the strip clubs in Salt Lake City for this training. I don't remember the names of all of the clubs and bars or the order, but I know we went to these clubs for sure. Trails Gentlemen's Club, Exotic Kitty Gentlemen's Club, The American Bush. We, Coop, Blank, and myself, got there and went inside and sat down. I got an energy drink from the bar, and we all sat in a booth together. I saw Tim and Blank at the first strip club. Blank was sitting on Tim's lap. Yeah, remember the female whose name is redacted? She was sitting on Tim's lap, and they were all over each other playing the part. Tim was in character as Brian. Yep, Brian Black. We remember that. Tim was in character as Brian and wore these big glasses to disguise himself. Brian is his alter ego of sorts, it says here. Okay. The idea behind going to the strip club was for Coop and Tim to see how well I could get information out of people and how I would respond to being in a darker environment around certain types of people. He would point out people in the club and tell me to go try 
and either get their phone number, find out where they lived, or a variety of other questions. I don't remember how many strip clubs and bars we went to exactly, but I think we went to three strip clubs as well as a regular bar at the beginning and then another bar at the end. No alcohol was consumed by anyone that I saw in my thruple. While at these clubs and bars, Coop, Blank, and I would hold hands, sit next to each other, and just generally pretend to be a couple. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nothing overtly inappropriate ever happened while I was training with Coop. I felt like he was in character while still keeping things professional for the most part. If that had been what Tim had wanted for the couple's ruse, it wouldn't have bothered me as much. His version was not that, unfortunately. During all of this, I occasionally saw Tim and Blank. They acted out the couple's ruse as well, just more extreme. Lap sitting, going into private rooms in the back, etc., dances, etc. At the last club we went to, Blank and Tim were in the back by themselves in a private room. Tim had asked Blank to give him a lap dance. She was supposed to show him that she could do the job, so even though she was hesitant, she did it in order to prove herself. She started giving him a lap dance, but shortly after she started, Tim's son ended up coming inside. He walked into the club's back room and saw Tim and Blank together like that. It made me extremely upset because she had not wanted to do it in the first place and had been reassured multiple times that he would not be coming inside, that would be the son apparently, or see them acting out the couple's ruse. She was freaking out a bit and came and told me what had happened. At this point, Tim came out from the back room and talked to me in the club. He had his arms around me and we were chest to chest. We were talking more about the couple's ruse and what that would involve, as well as some other things like how his wife was going to kill him if she found out their son, Blaine, had come into the strip club. I imagine that Catherine's found out by now. I cannot remember exactly what else was said at that moment. Shortly after that, we went to one last bar. Tim and Blank did not meet us there. After that last place, we decided to call it a night. I drove with Coop and Blank back to the OUR gym where we met up with Tim and Blank. At this point, I think it was coming up on 4 o'clock a.m. That's a long night. Tim told me I did a good job, then talked to us all about the night and how that experience only scratched the surface of what it would actually be like on ops. Tim texted me the next day, October 29th, and said I was badass. That phrase has come up over and over again as to how Tim compliments these female operatives on how good they're doing pretending to be his girlfriend or his wife. Said I was badass and had done an awesome job the night before. He then asked me to come and meet him at the OUR American Fork office, address 758 South Auto Mall Drive, Unit 5, American Fork, Utah, and I told him that I would. On November 1st, 2021, I went up to the address he sent me. When I arrived, Tim and Matthew Cooper were both there. Tim asked me to come up to his office to speak with him privately. When we sat down, he started talking to me about the couple's ruse and how important it was, telling me exactly how intimate certain scenarios would be. He asked me over and over if I would be willing to act out certain sexual acts, continually getting more explicit. Doing all of this, he made it clear that I could not tell anyone about the things that were happening between us. He made it seem like it could be a life or death situation if I disclosed information. 
and or that I would get into trouble as well. He also made it seem like it could be a life or death situation if I was not willing to or able to act out certain sex acts well enough. This is when he started pushing the idea of needing to practice with each other. He started telling me about other operators and how they had been in situations where they had to be completely naked in the rooms in front of each other and while getting massages. He told me that the point of the couple's ruse was for you to be able to block for each other, meaning that an, on ops, you would intercept sexual touches from traffickers or sex workers. He started to become explicit with the situations that had happened or that could happen. He told me that he wanted to train me to be his new primary partner on ops. I would be paid for my time as a contractor with the organization. He said that operators before me had fallen in love with him. That some had tried to climb into his bed at the safe house and that they had pushed for relationships with him. He told me that other partners before me had gone a bit crazy and he had to end things. I knew he was married and he said because of that, he had one rule for the couple's ruse, which was no kissing on the lips. He made it seem that everything else besides may be full maybe full on penetrative sex would potentially be expected. So in this statement, we have one rule in prior statements. We've, agree, we've encountered two rules, the kiss, no kissing on the lips and no touching of the genitals, right? Well, apparently with this individual, he only mentions, mentions no kissing on the lips. During all of this, I felt like everything was a test. Every question or action was proving myself. I had briefly gotten into my personal background with him and explained why helping on operations as an operator was so important to me. Saving women and children truly meant so much to me as a person on a personal level. I wanted to make a difference. I have been a longtime supporter of OUR and knew that's what I wanted my future to involve. Tim then asked me some personal questions about my life, like if I was married, if I had my own place, and others, things of that nature. Tim then became more open about things that could happen or that I could expect on ops, and that I would have to be willing to do those things in order to save children. This included being naked in front of each other, touching each other, imitating sex acts, talking dirty to each other, and all sorts of things of that nature. It was presented to me as, if we were in a life or death situation, would you be willing to do X, Y, Z? And of course, if it came down to saving women and children, I would be willing to do it. If it was a life or death situation, I would be willing to do whatever I had to do. For him, he said he was going to get a new partner. He said if he was going to get a new partner, he needed to be able to practice. He would say that it was really important for us to have intense chemistry. How many times have we heard that word, chemistry, in other statements? He wanted to know if I was attracted to him and wanted to make sure that he would be able to turn me on. This is the guy who's complaining about all of his female operatives falling in love with him. I was really uncomfortable with these questions, obviously, but at that time in my mind, I felt like it was a test and I didn't want to fail this test. I wanted to become a part of the team. Things then proceeded to become physical. It started out with him just resting his hand on my knee. Then he started running his hands across and up my legs. He slowly started to become more comfortable and was running his hands all the way up my thighs. 
We were sitting in chairs facing each other at this point, and we're no longer talking. I was pretty shocked he was touching me so intimately. I guess in my mind, I hadn't thought that he would begin practicing then. I guess I had assumed that he wouldn't need or want to practice until at least we were heading on an operation. He moved closer to me and started to run his hands along other parts of my body. I remember there was a lot of touching, rubbing, and grabbing with his hands across pretty much my entire body. At this point, I remember then being pushed up against the office door. He was up against me, and he was sort of grinding his body against mine. Against mine, It was obvious that he had an erection. At one point, his thigh was kind of pressed in between my legs and kind of moving up and down against me. There was no kissing on the lips, seeing as that was his rule. But there was lots of kissing and mouthing movement around my shoulders and neck and other parts of my body. At this point, I was very uncomfortable. But again, I felt like I could not fail this test. I needed to prove that I could handle what he was doing. If I was not strong enough to handle this and deal with this, then I would not be able to go out and rescue women and children. This is so cynical on Tim Ballard's part. If, this, if these allegations are true. Using the idea of rescuing women and children from sex traffickers in order to pursue his sexual ideations. That's what I'm talking about is being cynical. If indeed these allegations are true. Once again, I will state for the record, these are simply allegations at this point. We don't know whether they're true. There seems to be a lot of similarity between these statements and a picture and a consistent picture is developing of Tim Ballard and his method of operation. I didn't understand why we had to be practicing right then. I mean, I think that uh, I want to go back to the sentence and read it through. And that was not an option for me, not uh, failing the test. I wanted so badly to be able to be part of this organization, but still I was so unbelievably uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the Holy Ghost telling you to get the hell out of there. I didn't understand why we had to be practicing right then. I mean, we weren't on an op. He had only met me one other time before this, and it hadn't made sense to me that he felt like we needed this practice now. Things were moving so quickly physically, and I hadn't done any other sort of training. It was all happening really fast. He then slowly worked his way down my body until he was kind of kneeling down in front of me and was pulling at my jeans a bit. He then lifted up my shirt and was licking and kissing my stomach and getting lower on my body, still tugging at my jeans as if gauging my reaction. <clears throat> Excuse me. At this point, the door was pushed open from the outside and he had to back up away from me. Coop pushed open the door and came inside, thank God, and was just looking at us both. Tim kind of just played it off casually. I did not know what to say or do. I felt like Coop knew exactly what was going on. I could just see it on his face. It seemed like he was unhappy with the situation he had walked in on. He didn't say anything or ask any questions, though. Coop wanted to speak to Tim then, I believe, and Tim told him that we would be coming downstairs soon. Coop gave us another look and then left and shut the door behind him. We talked for a minute longer and Tim tried to start things physically again, but I had to leave for an appointment and I used that as an excuse to leave. Tim then began to question me about how I had felt about things. 
He wanted to know if I had been turned on during that or if I was still turned on and worked up. He wanted to know if I was attracted to him physically as well and if he was good looking. I didn't quite know how to answer those questions, so I told him something along the lines of, yeah, you're a handsome man. It all felt like a test to me, so I tried to say what he wanted to hear and react the right way. I kept thinking about how he had a government background and that they had probably taught him these techniques and that I should trust him. He told me he was really attracted to me. He told me that he wanted to have me do more training and that the next training would be even more intense. He asked if I had a couple days available, possibly in November, to go and do a training weekend with him. He didn't specify if other operators would be going as well. He told me he wanted me to start coming on ops with him soon. He then made it clear that he would want and need to practice more physical things like we had just done. I told him that I was an actress and I did this for a profession, so practicing wasn't necessarily needed on my part. I tried to say these things delicately as I did not want to offend him and jeopardize my chances of becoming an operator. He told me that practicing was fun and that it helped keep your relationships more exciting. He said in order for this, the couple's ruse and operations, to be sustainable, it has to be fun. I immediately felt sick to my stomach, dirty, and panicked. I had been warned that I couldn't talk to people about things that had happened. I had signed an NDA, non-disclosure agreement, and I was really anxious about breaking it. I also didn't want to lose my opportunity to work on operations. I called my friend, redacted, and told her I was really nervous to speak with her, but I felt like I needed to tell her something. I felt safer talking to her because Tim knew she had been the one to get me involved with him and the organization and hadn't minded me asking her certain questions before. This redacted friend is almost certainly WW from the first statement. This is where these statements intersect. I felt safer talking to her. I think I read that before. She was the only person he seemed okay with me communicating with about certain things. I knew he, he would not want me telling her what had just happened between us, though. It was supposed to be too secret between us, Tim and myself. I told her I was scared to talk about it over the phone, and she told me that I could come and stop by her house later that evening. Yes, this is WW. Over the phone, though, I did very briefly tell her a few things that had happened in the office with Tim. She seemed pretty shocked and did not think that what had happened was normal or good. But I did not tell her a whole lot because I was really worried at the idea of getting in trouble or messing anything up. She reassured me that it was okay to stand firm about not wanting to perform any more sexual acts with him. Remember, WW has gotten to this point where she has begged off of doing any more ops as well. Even for the sake of practicing for an op. I knew my talent as an actress and I knew I didn't need to. I went to my appointment and Tim messaged me asking when I was coming back. I told, him I, I told him I wasn't sure if I would be able to. He asked again if I would be coming back that night or not. I told him that I would if I could. After my appointment, I went back up to the OUR office. She does go back. At that point, I was resolved on telling him that I would not want or need to practice any more sexual acts with him. Can you imagine being put in a position where you have to tell somebody this? 
with him. I went back and when I got there, Coop wanted to speak with me. So we sat down in the office and he asked me some questions about the night before when we had gone to the strip club once and about how I was feeling about things. I'm sure it's strip club. They just omitted the word club. I wanted to be honest with him. So I was, I told him that I was worried about Tim a bit. I didn't get into any details because I knew that he was friends with Tim and I was worried about him not being happy with what I said or it jeopardizing my role in the organization. I did tell him that I felt like Tim needed some help. I told him I felt like Tim had seen a lot of things that were probably messing with his mental state a bit. I told him that I felt like Tim as well as the other operators needed to talk to someone, that they needed to see to a therapist or see a therapist and work through some of these issues. I was really worried for Tim's mental state at that point because of the pills, the way he was acting, the things I had heard, and the sexual situation that had happened already without us even being out on an op. Coop did not necessarily disagree with me, but he also didn't agree with me. I then met with Tim again privately, and he started with wanting to practice some more. And saying basically that in the near future, we needed to keep practicing consistently in order to be a secure team together. I didn't want to make him too upset or offend him. No, God forbid we should upset Tim Ballard. But at this point, I just genuinely wanted him to seek some help for his mental health sake. I told him that I was worried about the things he had seen as an operator and hoped he had someone to talk to. I told him that I was worried that ops and the things he had been exposed to were negatively impacting his mental health. I told him that for the sake of his wife, Catherine, but I didn't think it was right to practice like that. I told him that us practicing sexual acts was not necessary. I reiterated that as an actress, it was not needed, that I can turn it off and on as needed for the sake of the situation we were in at any given moment. That's what an actress does with all emotions or actions in scenes. He asked at some point something about if I had my own apartment and that going there would be an easier place to get more comfortable with each other. I don't remember at what point in these conversations that was. At the time, since I was going through a divorce, I was living with my family and did not have my own place, which I let him know. I don't remember exactly all the things we continued to talk about, but I think it was pretty much the same as earlier. We then were done. I don't remember the exact timing here, but at some point, Coop talked to Tim. And Coop told him what I had said about him potentially seeing a therapist or seeking mental health. Tim then confronted me and said, oh, I heard you think I'm crazy. I heard you told Coop that I am losing my mind, that I am completely crazy, something along those lines. I told him, no, I didn't say I think you are crazy. I'll say it just for the record. I think Tim's crazy, if these allegations are true. I just think that seeking therapy for some of the things you have seen should be a priority for not only you, but your entire team. I then threw out some ideas about how to better protect people on ops. I found out that no one is allowed to carry any type of weapon on them and that no one has any tracking devices in their phone or on their persons. I told them my opinion was that for the sake of the safety of their operators, especially the female ones that could potentially then be trafficked, that it was important for them to seek some better safety methods. Up until this point in my conversations with Tim, I had not even really been spoken to much about safety practices on ops. Really, almost all of what Tim spoke to me about the whole time I was there was the couple's ruse. Sexual acts 
and all the things I would need to be prepared and willing to do with him. As I was getting ready to leave, they made it seem like they would be in contact in the next couple of days to continue training. I told them that I would be going out of town, but that we could plan something after that. I was, prepa- I was prepared to keep working with him and be his new partner on ops if he would stop pushing the sexual practicing aspect and get some professional help. I still wanted this working relationship to work out so that I could make a difference in this world by saving kids. I then left and called and asked blank, I'll bet that's WW, if I could stop by her house and speak with her. When I stopped by her house, I told her all the things that had happened and asked her to please not tell anyone that I had told her. I was and still am very much nervous. She reassured me that the things that had happened, she did not think were okay and that I needed to stand my ground with him about no longer practicing the couple's ruse unless we were actively on an op and it was necessary. I then left her house and went home. I reached out to Tim about when we would be able to meet up next when I was back in town. I was then invited to go to the OUR gala and I told him that I would not be able to go. The last I heard from Tim and Coop was on November 11th, Veterans Day, 2021. Tim told me he had talked to his family and team and would no longer be going on ops. This is something he said to the other women as well after they stood up to him in some way or another. That's actually in the statement. When he realized he couldn't control or manipulate me any further sexually, he no longer wanted me as his partner. Coop called me and told me he would be back in the country soon and would keep training me. A couple weeks went by and I still hadn't heard from them about coming back to do more training and go on an op like planned. I reached out a few times to just Coop and finally he called me back. He made excuses for why he hadn't started my training again, but promised he would reach out in a few weeks. He never did. I tried to reach out once more and got no reply. At this point, I realized they had both shut me out. I can't even tell you how disappointed I was. I wanted to make a difference so bad. I had put so much hope into this new future. I had anticipated being paid for this new venture, but more than that, I would have been able to impact a positive change. To have that taken away because I didn't want to practice sexual things and keep being physical with Tim hurt. That is the end of the statement of this individual. And I'm sorry, I have to go back up here again. I should have, actually, I do have it written down here. This is DM. Yeah. Okay, so that's the end of DM statement. And as I said, that is not as long as WW statement. And the next statement that's included is the statement of MK. And this one is, I think, the shortest statement of all. So I'll go ahead and read that here tonight. The last statement, uh, Exhibit E by HDT, is perhaps the longest of any of them. And I will devote an entire episode solely to that statement. So statement of MK, I've known Tim for a few years working as a makeup artist on multiple production sets. It took a different turn one year ago while we were on set for OUR. When I was asked to potentially go on a mission with OUR, Tim was very persistent in having me on his team. And I was excited to learn more about what a mission entailed. I asked if it was a paid job and he said I would be compensated and paid to go. After giving him my number and exchanging multiple text messages, I decided to meet with him and he took me into a private room 
where the door was locked behind me. That's never a good sign. It was a bit sketchy, but I went along with it because it seemed like an interview at first. Then he sat down across from me and said I needed to prove that we had a strong enough connection in order to be believable and potentially hired as his girlfriend for the mission coming up, which would be in about two months later. So I wasn't sure what to do. He stared at me and said, you can't touch me, but need to show me what you can do to basically turn me on enough that he would want to have sex with me. Then we were interrupted and his bodyguard said he had to leave. Tim and I got close in proximity a few times, but I felt very confused about what the meeting was about or what exactly he needed to do. He was evasive with explaining and wanted me to do the work and come up with the ideas in the room to connect with him. After about 45 minutes in his office and talking about everything in detail, he made me feel like I passed the test, but I didn't know what it meant going forward. I wanted to support the cause, so I signed an NDA before entering the private room. And there was a lot of talk and anticipation about different scenarios that could potentially happen if I was on a mission with him. I left and waited to hear from him again. In his text messages to me, he was persistent and aggressive and very forward with me being involved. He wanted me on board and to say yes to being okay with the following scenarios, including one, if we were in a hot tub together, he would have to touch me under the water so they would believe we were into each other, which meant under my swimsuit. Two, potentially we would have to shower together. Three, I would have to have an orgasm if needed for them to hear it or fake it. I would have to turn him on enough that he'd want to have sex with me when we got back to the hotel. Five, I'd be his girlfriend the entire trip, including in the airport and back. That people had to believe us the entire time that we were together. We met on multiple occasions and he would ask if I could get up together or see him after. But fortunately, I always had early morning call times and usually couldn't go along with him. The man he talked me into meeting at the hotel with other OUR members for the official training. That sounds like a sentence fragment. Let me try it again. The man he talked me into meeting at the hotel with other OUR members for the official training. Yep, that's a sentence fragment. But when I asked what to attend when I arrived, I didn't end up, I didn't end up, and then it says didn't end up again. I didn't end up being training at all. It was more club scenes and practice sessions, and I'm not sure what else went on because it was very private. That's a bit of a confusing paragraph. I was told. I'd be paid that weekend, but never got any compensation from OUR. And I met Tim at my hotel room upon his request where I did another audition to see if I was eligible. So this time he said to show me what I was willing to do or how far I was willing to go without physical contact. So I felt required to turn him on or give him a show by taking my clothes off into my underwear. And he told me to say, fuck me. Now in the statement, she doesn't write it out. But that's obviously what it is, and that's the, remember the code word, the safety word that he gives to all of his female operatives, at least the ones who've written statements that I've read so far. He told me to say fuck me as I looked in his eyes. 
He watched me on the chair and I felt very uncomfortable. So he's in the chair, apparently. I've never said that word out loud before, but he said it was necessary. After a long while and with his arms around me, he said he was too turned on and that we should go to the gym together. I declined. I never saw him again. And he later told me he couldn't do missions anymore because he was too well known. That's when it was confirmed to me that I had been used and played. It was all for his enjoyment. While I was in the middle of so much with work as a makeup artist and barely even keeping up with my insanely busy schedule, Tim decided to try to convince me to come with him on a mission, but instead, there was no mission. I was disappointed that I was treated like an object and even more upset that it was all for his entertainment and pleasure. For a year, I sat in silence, knowing my story wouldn't matter. But now maybe it will make a difference. After getting to the hotel at midnight, I was asked to sign another NDA and was told we, we would go clubbing that night as prep for the mission. He stayed in my room for about an hour, and I declined because I was much too tired. Much too tired to go out clubbing, apparently. He stayed in my hotel room and asked me multiple times if I was recording him and if I was excited to be a part of this. I was in my pajamas and didn't understand what was going on or why he was asking so many questions at one in the morning. He said this was all private and nobody could hear about anything or it would be used against me. I was told the next day to go to training, but there wasn't any training to go to. I basically left feeling depleted and used and completely confused. I was willing to go until I realized the truth about his project. I felt devalued after that day. He basically told me in a few texts that he didn't need me anymore. But if I still wanted to go on a mission, I could reach out to someone else. I didn't give him what he wanted. Other facts. Tim asked me to tattoo him up and go to a strip club with him. I declined. We met on multiple occasions and made me feel important by telling me I was perfect for the job. He was polite and would open my door and give me compliments. A true gentleman. He would often check on me because I was so busy and even sick and working so much. I rarely had time to message him back because I was double and triple booked on other projects. He sent links and kept inquiring about the mission for me to be on board with him. He made it all sound very exciting. After all the meetings and time taken out of my schedule, I was thrown away like a piece of trash. I've been attending therapy this past year to understand the situation and regain my confidence and feel safe. It has been very hard for me to wrap my head around what happened to me when I trusted someone like Tim, who talked about saving innocent lives, when in reality, I felt he was taking advantage of me and had other intentions for me. I was also disappointed with the OUR Foundation and how they didn't do anything to stop him. And that is the conclusion of the statement by MK. As I said, there's one more statement here. It's exhibit E, it's the statement of HDT. And this one looking up here at the screen is approximately 10, it's gonna be about 15 or 16 pages long, which is the same length as WW statement. So I will save that for its own podcast. Let me come back here to the screen. I'll remove that. And here we are again. Okay. So that is about all for tonight. I appreciate all of you who are joining me on this journey of examining these witness statements that are attached to the lawsuit. 
I know that I am getting a much fuller and more disturbing picture of the allegations against Tim Ballard than I would have without reading these statements in the detail and with the time necessary that they all deserve. So please hit like, please subscribe, and I will tell you that the next time I will be in front of you unless there's others. Actually, tomorrow night's going to be Mormonism Live, so that technically won't be the next time I'll be in front of you. But the next time I'll be doing an RFM podcast, I plan on reading this final statement by HDT. That may have to wait until Thursday. But thank you so much for watching. I appreciate all of you, and thank you for your donations, which keep Radio Free Mormon broadcasting behind enemy, enemy lines. I'm so sorry. I've got to get better at this. If, I wish I had someone else to do this for me, but that's okay. I mean, you know, if Bill can do it, maybe I can too. He's made it all very easy for me. All of this technical stuff is courtesy of Bill. So I'm going to hit the outro, and I will say that until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon signing off the air.